Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. I'll read from Andy Raines, Do Not Hurry, Walk with Grief, and then we'll have a brief moment of silence, and then I'll pray. And if you feel so led, if you will. Take a deep breath in. Slowly let it out. And relax. And be still. Do not hurry as you walk with grief. It does does not help the journey. Walk slowly, pausing often. Do not hurry as you walk with grief. Be not disturbed by memories that come unbidden. Swiftly forgive and let Christ speak for you unspoken words. Unfinished conversation will be resolved in him. Do not be disturbed, be not disturbed. Be gentle with the one who walks with grief. If it is you, be gentle with yourself. Swiftly forgive. Walk slowly, pausing often. Take time, be gentle as you walk with grief. Creator God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this space. Thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your strength, for your grace, and for your love. Thank you for this time of Lent, this time of introspection. Help us not to focus solely on what we're giving up, but to be excited about what we're gaining. Time with you, an opportunity for growth, to commune with you, and in getting to know you better. Looking inward, we get to know ourselves better. Bless each and every heart in this space. And that at some point this week, each heart in this space will be a small blessing to someone else. In Jesus' name, amen. 
A word from Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, reading from the fourth chapter, verses 1 to 11. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, Since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, It's written, People won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, Since you are God's son, throw yourself down, for it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, Again, it's written, Don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all these if you bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, go away, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only the Lord. The devil left him and angels came and took care of him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you all join me in prayer? God, you are the one who says to us, if we seek you, and we will find you when we seek you with all our heart. Let us seek you out in this moment, in this practice, in this ancient scripture and story. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts in this space, this sanctuary, be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock, the one who seeks us, our redeemer. Amen. One day, you finally knew what you had to do and began Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, the whole house began to tremble, and you felt that old tug at your ankles, mend my life. Each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations. Though their melancholy was terrible, It was already late enough and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. I wanted to begin the sermon this morning with the beautiful words of Mary Oliver's poem, The Journey, because this is what we're beginning this morning. We're beginning Lent. We're beginning this journey. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be on this journey with you. I'm grateful to preach this morning. I'm so grateful my parents are here and my family. Thank you. Thank you so much. So 
beginning the first Sunday of Lent, and we always begin with this text on the first Sunday, the text from one of the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus being tempted in the desert, right? So this epic battle of the devil and Jesus in the desert, we know this story well. We know this story from, from Lent, from this Sunday, every year, but also this story resonates with elements of the larger story, of stories told throughout time, of the hero's journey. Can you put the first slide? Thank you. The hero's journey, the call to adventure. It includes the call crossing into the wilderness, into the unknown, being tested. Can you do the next slide? Approaching this innermost cave of unknown. Then there's an ordeal, the abyss, sometimes called facing the inner demons. These are the elements of the hero's journey that we have come to know, and I would argue that we have come to know on a deeper level, that maybe even this age-old story that we've told each Sunday shows us these elements of the hero's journey. Being tested, we see Jesus in the desert, we see this story of temptation. I think comparing it to the hero's journey can remind us this is a journey that we are all on. This is a journey of life. This is the epic journey, our journey. And today, we think about Jesus' journey as one into a labyrinth, through a labyrinth. The song said, you take me in and you lead me out. This image is the hero's journey. And we can use the labyrinth and this shape to remind us and as a tool to go on this journey together. The labyrinth is a symbol and it, in practice, it creates sacred space which leads us to its heart, to the center, and then back out again along the same path. So it's not a maze, you can't get lost. There's one path in and one path out. You lead me in and you take me out. Can you go to slide three? The symbol of the labyrinth is archaic. It's been found, drawn in prehistoric rocks all over the world. In the next one, Egyptians in 200 BCE built an immense labyrinth under the ground. I love this idea. It was written about by Herodotus, but never found, this mystery of this labyrinth. The Hopi people in the Grand Canyon, next slide, use an image that resembles the labyrinth called the tapuat. And this symbolizes the journey from this realm to the next. This is a pervasive symbol. This is an ancient symbol. Christians began to use this tool for embodied meditation around the fourth century. And it became a symbol and a practice that was a substitute for those who couldn't make the journey to Jerusalem, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So for us, the labyrinth can be a tool on this meaningful journey, an embodied way of walking, perhaps, or sitting, perhaps. We can use this tool throughout Lent. So this 
message that we receive from the labyrinth is the call to go on a journey within ourselves, the journey to tackle our own demons, however we characterize those demons. And this is the work of Lent. So this is where we are this morning. Let's lean in. This season can be a difficult time. This is the meaningful work of going inward. So for these next six weeks, the six weeks before Good Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus, we spend time preparing, as Jesus did, for this great sacrifice, for this great miracle. And when we go inward on this journey, we let ourselves be known by God. And in knowing ourselves better, we begin to know God better. This is what Richard Rohr calls the wondrous loop. Knowing ourselves is knowing God. And it leads us into a deeper connection and greater communion with God. We'll take the Lord's Supper today and enjoy a, a deeper communion with God. We're on this Lenten journey. So to help us in this intentional work, we have labyrinth pillows throughout the sanctuary. I'm sure you saw them. We can do this response as a practice today. While you're sitting there, while you're listening, the emotions of the labyrinth are mirrored in our scripture today. Disorientation, reorientation, surprise, disappointment, and ultimately a sense of belonging. These are the emotions we can experience in the labyrinth. And we began an embodied practice on the very first day of Lent, which was Ash Wednesday. And many of us at Park Ave and in Christian contexts throughout the world observed the ritual of receiving ashes. We read Psalm 51. Part of it says, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. In receiving ashes, we are admitting our shortcomings. The journey inward begins with this admission. We need help. We need redemption. This type of vulnerability can be hard to swallow. In recovery, we call this the first step. And some of us, myself included, needed to be reminded that in order to get to the bottom, we just have to stop digging. So asking for help, vulnerability, this is difficult. It's raw. So in our practice on Wednesday, we coupled imposing ashes with the reading of Jan Richardson's poem, which asked the question, did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? So we adapted a liturgy and we included that part. We said, remember that God makes miracles out of the dust and that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Lent begins with this acceptance that we need help, that God can mold us. We can shape, we can be shaped into and toward redemption. I love the way Richardson says it. We claim what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which the world is made and the stars that blaze in our bones and the galaxies that spiral inside of the smudge we bear. God can do many things with us, with our brokenness, but we need to lean into this journey, especially during Lent, into the wilderness, step into the labyrinth, go 
deeper. The gospel scripture gives us the example of Jesus doing just that. Jesus journeys into the wilderness. What The part we didn't read right before this, at the end of Matthew 3, Jesus is baptized. And upon coming out of the water, he hears the voice of God saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. God affirms Jesus in this moment, and then right afterward, Jesus is led up to the wilderness, led up to be tempted. This closeness, this affirmation is followed by being led into the desert. But what the scripture doesn't say is that he was forced into the desert. It doesn't say he was compelled. He was led and followed willingly. Just like when the spirit came to Mary and asked Mary, and Mary, to inhabit Mary with the son of God, Mary said yes. She sung her response, my soul magnifies the Lord, she sang. The spirit would not have moved without it. So, Jesus wants to go to the desert because I think this shows us that our God is a God of consent. Our God is one who answers the door, but only if we knock. The God asks, whom shall I send? And it is up to us to respond, here I am, Lord, send me. You have said, God, you will seek us when we seek you with the open heart. This is the same God with Jesus. And Jesus is choosing to go into the desert. He's choosing to be tested. He goes into the desert knowing that he will find God there, right? He doesn't go into the desert because he has to prove himself, right? It's been in the times for me when I am at my lowest, when things are the hardest, that I feel God's closeness to me. I can see God moving in the miracles, the small miracles around me. Sometimes when we're in that wilderness spot, we can feel that closeness of God. And, and most of the time we're in this spot not because we choose, right? We're not led and follow. These situations are imposed on us. But we look around and we can feel the presence of God and sometimes we can question, did God cause this wilderness to happen? And I think the promise of God is presence in these difficulties. And so if we go or if we're led, we will find God in those places, in the closeness, in crisis. And let's be clear that God doesn't need Jesus to be tested or proved. God doesn't need us to be tested or proved. And just like we don't, it's not required of Jesus in this moment, he consents to it, which to me says Jesus will be there with us in that wilderness moment as well. Jesus will consent to go with us. God already declared who Jesus is, yet he goes anyway, knowing there'll be a test, knowing that he will face the tempter. And the temptations in the desert are all about Jesus proving who he is. Prove that you are the son of God. If you are the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus, understanding and knowing who he is, knows that he doesn't have to prove himself. He doesn't have to prove. God knows. God knows who you are. God knows who Jesus is. 
God is with us in those times when we feel most alone. God is with us when we wander. God is with us, and God isn't the one testing us. The test is a part of the journey, the journey inward. Jesus is divine and human, and so for all the wilderness wandering, the hangriness, the hunger, the sleep deprivation, 40 days worth, he answers all of the challenges of the devil. He knows what is true, and he can focus on that amid this bodily deprivation. Jesus knows the true meaning of Scripture, and even when the tempter tries to manipulate it with lies. Quoting Scripture, by the way, the devil and Jesus are both quoting Scripture back and forth, Some of us grew up Baptist and experienced this phenomenon of sword drills, right? This might be the ultimate sword drill that happens. This scripture might say one thing to you and might say another to me. I think those of us in the room here know about that, know about scripture being wielded against us as a weapon, right? So how do we stay true to what we know is the heart of scripture? the heart of God. Jesus knows the true meaning of the scripture. And even when the tempter tries to manipulate it, Jesus sees the lies, sees through them, and says to the adversary, in a way, I know who I am, and I know who God is. We see the scripture with hope overcoming temptations, Jesus does it perfectly. Jesus is divine and human, right? We don't have to prove ourselves. We can resist these false interpretations of Scripture. The journey of Lent is to confront temptation. Although we do have divine within, we don't have to do it perfectly. The goal is not to never sin. The goal is not to never fall short. This is unrealistic, But the goal is to go on the journey. The goal is in the encounter. The journey and the wisdom gained from failure and challenge and confrontation, leaning into the trials and the hardships of life to be in the wilderness. However, we got there, knowing that God is there with us. One of the most meaningful experiences I've had with the labyrinth and the practice of walking in meditation happened when I was seeking spiritual experience. I went to this outdoor chapel. I walked up this hill, and I started on the path of the labyrinth. I discovered it. It, it just had these little rocks. I felt like it was a secret that I was uncovering. Started into the journey, and immediately it started pouring down rain. And <laughs> I had this moment where I was like, I could lean into this or I could just go inside and it's over, you know? Um, And so I I tried to stay in the moment, right? I I didn't think about what might happen to my clothes, how I might feel after my hair. I just stayed soaking and wet, meditatively walking this labyrinth. And God met me there, (laughs) y'all. I let go and there was a moment where the skies cleared. It felt in those moments of rain like my baptism. Again, I could let that 
moment sink in, go on this journey. I tried to memorize it. I tried to keep and hold that feeling because those moments, the voice of the enemy comes. The voice of self-doubt, the voice that tells me to prove myself, that comes often. So if I have these experiences where I can see and, and feel the presence of God, that's what I want to invite us into with the practice of a labyrinth this season of Lent. To begin to find comfort in the seeking, to lean into this journey, the challenge of Lent is to go to the wilderness if we're not already there or be there. And so we have this symbol of comfort, these labyrinth pillows, right? So the pillow, you can use it, you can touch it. There are directions on there how you might use it. I hope we get to use it throughout these next six Sundays. And the pillow, I think, is a great symbol, right? We could rest on it. We could use it for comfort. We could throw it across the room. We could punch it. We could be with it. We could hug it. We can, the fibers in the pillow can hold our tears and our laughter. We can use these tools and experiencing those emotions of disorientation, reorientation, surprise, disappointment, ultimately belonging. So here we are. This is Lent. We are embarking on a winding and twisting journey of uncertainty and suffering, but we don't go alone. Jesus willingly enters the desert with us. Jesus is with us by our side. God is in that wilderness place. We do not go alone. And in Lent, we can practice this journey together. So Park Avenue, let's go on this journey together. Let's lean into this practice and do it together in community. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God that created you loves you. And empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.